Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond Study Abroad, the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley Herford, and today I'm joined by Jessica Ping-Wild, who graduated from the University of Notre Dame in the spring of 2019 and studied abroad in London in the fall of 2017. Jessica, would you like to give us your classic Notre Dame introduction, including, you know, where you studied abroad and graduation year, even though I already included those? <laughs> uh, sure. I'll have to see if I can remember my Notre Dame introduction. <laughs> um, uh, my name is Jessica Ping-Wild. I studied abroad in my junior year, fall semester in London, England, and I graduated in May 2019 with a degree in English Lit, so College of Arts and Letters all the way, and I lived Ooh. in Flaherty Hall for most of my college experience. Perfect. I think that's exactly it. Um, sometimes people share hometown. Do you wish to? I uh, was born and raised in Pontiac, Illinois, so there you go. There you go. Oh, my gosh. I also am from Illinois and not Chicago, Illinois. So we are Very from the same cool. parts of Illinois in a way. <laughs> the cornfields. Love yes, it. we love it. And the soy. Oh, perfect. OK, to begin. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit just for those people who are listening and aren't familiar, even though I personally have done many deep dives on your Instagram and blog, would you like to tell us about the Rolling Explorer? Sure. So I started the Rolling Explorer literally like right after graduation, my senior year. So it was ultimately it started out as just kind of like a little fun thing I was doing on the side to like build my resume. But now it's kind of become my full-time job. It's a personal branded blog where I talk about my life as a disabled woman who just likes to go out there and do anything and everything, including traveling, seeing the world. And I am very lucky to currently be back in London, living here as a, an adult uh, post-grad. And I share a lot about my experience as an American who lives abroad. Awesome. That's really great. Um, what sparked your interest in traveling to begin with? That's a really good question. My parents really set the foundation, I think, for that really young for me. Um, I don't come from a very financially necessarily well-off family, but we always tried to go away somewhere once a year. Even if it was a smaller, like shorter trip, we would always do like the classic road trip <laughs> through the USA type situation. So we would stay in hotels along the way and just like, you know, the classic like holiday inns or comfort inns, just like the ones right off the road or whatever. And would do all the historic stuff that we would pass. It was like, that was the the vibe of our family vacations. Love but it. from a young age, like starting that when I was like, even I think my first one that I have any, any sort of memory from was when I was like three or four. So this was just like wow. a tradition every year that we would go somewhere. And I think that really is what sparked it. And I, I would keep these travel journals while we would be gone. And I've gone back through and I'd read them and you can just tell like as I'm writing them, like I think I'm being so witty and so funny and I'm having the best <laughs> time. And yeah, I think that's what really, yeah, sparked all of it, if I'm honest. 
Awesome. And that connects like the journaling connects with the blogging and you're witty and funny there too. <laughs> so oh, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell me about your study abroad experience at Notre Dame? So after all this traveling and your youth, how did you decide to study abroad and pick your location and one high and low of being in London? For sure. So like I said, my family would do more of the road trip thing. So that mm-hmm. didn't really include like international travel. And so until I went to Notre Dame, other technically I went to Canada and the Bahamas like growing up. But like other than those two places, I'd never been to Europe. I'd never been really anywhere that wasn't pretty close by and um, hadn't really experienced any cultures that were different from my own. So traveling and studying abroad in college were huge for me. They were something that when I was applying to colleges, I was looking at study abroad programs as what were going to be my options. I wanted to make sure that in, to me, in order to get a full, well-rounded education, it was so important for me to experience a culture other than my own. And so Mm -hmm. I was pretty adamant, like I need, I need something. And so London ended up being my choice for several reasons, but the biggest one being um, the accessibility of Mm -hmm. the program. I was kind of pitched that it was going to be one of one of my only options, if I'm honest, um, as somebody in a wheelchair. And so for that reason, it just made sense. A lot of my personal interests were aligned with like British culture. I I'm a self-proclaimed Anglophile for all <laughs> um, I, I love everything to do with like, especially like British music. I was really into mm. One Direction as a teen. Like that was my era. Weren't we all? I mean, if you're not a yeah. Directioner, you're not doing it right. <laughs> agree. Agree. Like that was like my prime, like Ed Sheeran, Ollie Murs. Like <laughs> I lived on that like music in high school. So it just like felt very much as if not to be cheesy, but London was calling. Um, so <laughs> here I was and I, I just, I had the best time abroad and I'm really lucky to have been able to do it in the first place. So I, I'm always grateful for the experience. That is awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that you were able to go and that did you find it to be pretty accessible when you studied abroad? I found it to be mostly accessible. I didn't really have an issue with in Notre Dame's buildings itself, though um, like the elevators were a bit sketchy to say the least. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I got stuck at least once in the, the classroom one, which was quite a time. Um, and my wheelchair actually broke down in London. That is something that I will never forget. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I, I didn't really have any issues like within the buildings that like I lived in and the building that I went to for classes that said the city of London itself is not the most accessible place on the planet um especially coming from the U.S. where there are so many regulations and so many laws in place ensuring better accessibility I was quite surprised coming to London and now living here as an adult as well at how many places really aren't accessible mm. still in 2017 at the time in 2022 now. So it's just kind of, kind of wild to me that that's still an issue, but um, 
generally speaking, I, I have been quite impressed. It is a huge cosmopolitan city, so they've done well. They've just not done enough. Yeah, that's a really great point. And do like kind of do you feel that in a lot of places? How have things transformed like in 2017 to 2022? Have you seen a lot of changes in London or elsewhere? Well, I feel like I did myself a disservice when I studied abroad because I was like told by so many different people, like, be careful the tube. Don't take the tube if you're a wheelchair user (laughs) because you'll get stuck. Um, So I can't even make that comparison properly because now I take the tube all the time. Um, It's actually my preferred method of transportation. But when I studied abroad, I didn't get on it once. Like true, Mm -hmm. like I avoided it completely. It was not a part of my experience whatsoever. And I kind of regret that because I think it would have been really important for me to have done that. Um, And it just meant it was more difficult for me to figure out how to navigate it five years later. So, um, but at the same time, I do think there have been some changes, not as many as I would like, but I mean, even since moving here a year and a half ago, I've seen more places become accessible. I've seen more places at the very least purchase, um, portable ramps. I don't know a better way to describe them, but ones that can like fold up and you can knock on the door and be like, Hey, I'm here. Can you make it accessible for me? And they'll bring out this little ramp that isn't really the greatest access, but it's better than nothing. So you just (laughs) bite your your tongue and uh, hope for the best. And yeah, it's, it's all kind of, you never know what you're going to get. It's not like that surprising if that makes sense, that it varies so much from place to place. Um, that is funny about the tube. So the advice, do you, so you're kind of happy you heated it, but also kind of regret it based on that? I think I let other people's concern for me, like get in my way. I mean, I came from a very, very small town and then I was at Notre Dame and then I was in this big city. I'd never lived in a big city in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I'm in London, one of the biggest cities in the world. And I'm just like, very naive. I think, I think I was under the impression that it was going to be much more difficult than it actually was and is. Mm. And so I, the only reason I regret it is because I let other people's assumptions about me get in the way of what I a hundred percent could have handled without a doubt. That is so true. I feel like for a lot of people, and I think with studying abroad, it is very nerve wracking because you're in like a whole new place. Me too. I'm from like near St. Louis, but not, I don't live in a big city. And I then obviously Notre Dame South Bend isn't huge. And so I think that's something that's very nerve wracking. And that's, what's on my mind right now. Now the applications are out is the nerves of studying abroad. And I think the advice is a really tough one to strike a balance with like, how much do you listen or listen to yourself? So yeah, what you just said was, it was very powerful and very true. Thank you. I think that, I mean, it is a tough thing to navigate, not just with study abroad, but with like everything that I've found within college and outside of college is when do you kind of just trust yourself or give your chance the, give yourself the chance to succeed or fail because you Mm -hmm. learn from both experiences and you have to do both in life. And I think sometimes people are trying to just help us and protect us. And that's great. And that's very, it comes from a place of love, but it also can be detrimental to our growth as human beings. And 
I think looking back, it's a lot easier to pinpoint those moments than it is when you're in the moment. Hmm. Yeah. Hindsight's 2020. They uh, say it uh, and they mean it. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of about traveling because you have experience like living abroad and everything and even traveling with your family and then going abroad during school and now living in London. Just advice for the general public. How did you come to find like your best traveling and exploring style, if that makes sense? Like, how do you suggest like testing out, figuring out, oh, everyone else likes to go travel every weekend, but I'd rather not or everyone likes to do this. But I how do you figure those things out? As you said, trying around. But what do you recommend to figure that out? Well, my experience, I feel like, is so different from several other people's experiences. And as I've already kind of made note for when I studied abroad, uh, my family didn't come from, I, I don't come from like a lot of money. And so mm-hmm. I knew that studying abroad, like I, I was in London, like London was what I wanted to explore. And so I actually only traveled to, I believe, two other countries while I was studying abroad. Um, one was a weekend trip that I had with my girlfriends. And then the other one was during fall break, um, Mm -hmm. with my mom, she flew over and we did like a big tour of Italy, which was really, really cool. So such a good time. And to me, that was better for my experience because one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to study abroad in the first place was to fully experience a culture. And to me, I had to stay at the weekends to get the most out of my experience in London and Mm -hmm. really like dive into the city and everything it had to offer. And plus like I wanted to do well in my classes. So it just all worked out for me in that way. And I, I just, I would watch my peers like go at the weekends and sometimes I would be like kind of sad. I was like, Oh gosh, it would be so cool to be in Norway right now. Or, Oh, it'd be so cool to go to Denmark for the weekend. But I also like look back on my time and I'm like, I got so much out of London because I would just as my friends were like out traveling at the weekends, I was just like out wandering the streets of London and just like exploring on my own. And Mm -hmm. in so many ways, as a disabled person in particular, I don't I've never traveled on my own somewhere where I was going to be on my own. Um, so I've, I've traveled like through an airport, I've flown by myself before and met somebody on the other side, but I've never flown somewhere just to be by myself. And in so many ways, I feel like by having the weekends to myself in a lot of ways, I did get that experience of traveling on my own and what that was like. And I realized in some ways it was really, really good for me, but I also a hundred percent prefer to travel with people and, I would rather travel less and have a good time while I'm traveling than really scrimp and save while I'm out and about. Like if I'm in a new place for the first time, I don't want to have to worry like, oh, should I treat myself to this like souvenir? Oh, should I not get the ice cream right now while we're at the beach? Because, you know, I want to be able to go somewhere again next weekend. Like, no, I'd rather even like now as an adult, I would a hundred percent rather just like spend the money on like three to four trips a year. And then like the rest of the time, like save up. So I can have a really good experience traveling and not feel like stressed about also like getting like the cheapest airplane tickets possible because Mm -hmm. there's so many like hidden, hidden little 
features with that as well. Oh yeah. There's, <laughs> there's yeah. add-ons for sure. <laughs> yes. And it, it just like, it takes away from the experience to me because I want to enjoy myself when I travel and um, it just, I don't know if it's because I'm disabled or not, but I think there's also a safety aspect to it as well. Mm -hmm. And to me, like, especially where I stay, like I, I have never stayed in a hostel ever. Um, and I don't anticipate doing so. And I think like that is a hundred percent, like, because of the way I was born, like, it's just like how it is. And it's something that comes from a place of like needing a clean and more so like accessible space. And those just don't tend to be so. Mm cheap travel just isn't really an option for me anyway. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I think just having to finance being abroad and then also factoring in like everyone's own personal needs is something that's very difficult and something I guess you just have to like figure out for yourself, which is annoying, but also good because that's all about, that's what growing up is about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And I think I wish I'd traveled maybe a little bit more. Like if I had it my way, I think maybe I would have gone somewhere like once a month. Like, cause you're in, you're in your country. Uh, well in the fall, anyway, you were there for about three, four, four months almost in total. Mm-hmm. So I wish I'd gone somewhere like once a month. Um, that would have been my ideal instead of only two. But that said, I, I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it. It just, everybody is going to have their own experience and it, it's totally like what you said, like you have to find your own personal style mixed with what you can afford and what is going to be best for you, your mental health, your physical health, your education, all of that. Cause there's so much going on when you're abroad. It's, it's quite chaotic to be quite honest, but like in a beautiful and really wholesome way. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite excited. And I think this episode is like making me more excited in a very realistic way, which I think is so important. And that's kind of what this podcast is aiming to do is like make you excited, but also be like, here are some real things to figure out. So yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited for you. Like I, I remember being in that place of like, oh my gosh, I'm going very soon. And so I'm excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. I know there's a lot of us too, which is very cool. How was going to a big program the London program like what was its size when you were there because I now it's pretty big but how was that it I don't remember how big it was to be quite honest I think it was over 100 people but I don't know the exact um size that said it was quite it made the experience less daunting in some Mm -hmm. ways to me but that said none of my like super duper close friends were really going to London. I had one friend who was actually one of my roommates freshman and sophomore year. She was actually going in the London program, but we were not roommates in London. And so we Mm. didn't see each other all the time. We were in different classes and all that, but having her as like a friendly face around was really nice and really fun. Um, And then I, I knew some other people like in the program as well, but not like super close. So it really does kind of force you to get out of your comfort zone. It really does. Um, but also like still keeping you feel like grounded. Like, I don't know, it helps with the homesickness because people just like mm-hmm. understand. And also 
from a safety perspective, I do just think like when you travel in groups of people that are all like speaking with the same accent, like you just, it's better than if you're by yourself sometimes because there's a lot of sketchy things that can happen in the city and you just, yeah, it's good. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think having the big group will be really nice, especially about like the transition to a new culture and the homesickness, like you mentioned. That's yeah. something that I'm looking forward to. I know I keep relating this to it's just I'm all I'm thinking about is Rome. So I keep them like, oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, no, don't apologize. The Rome programs, like I've heard it amazing things about it. I had a good friend who was in that program and it's quite big too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Switching back to more about the Rolling Explorer, you started it, like you said, for fun. And how did you get to like turn that into your career and transform something that you love doing and just started more as like a resume thing like oh this would be cool how did you transform that into what it is today which is pretty significant for anyone who does not know hundred thousand followers on instagram so that's pretty this is a pretty substantial following of people yeah it's been quite surreal to be quite honest because when you don't set out for it to be your career and then it suddenly blows up like it's quite like oh gosh, like this is happening. This is, this is kind of like almost what you have to do, but like in the most humbling and like way possible filled with like all this gratitude. But I guess like the, the long story short of it, like I owe the time that we were gifted due to the pandemic a hundred percent towards being able to do this because without having nine months basically where I was stuck in the U.S. to kind of really figure out what I was doing. I was in this weird place in between jobs because I knew that I was moving to London at this point in time and I didn't feel like I could go out and get a full-time job in the middle of what was going on because I was waiting for my visa and the visa could have arrived any day. And the minute it came in, I was going to have to take off within like two weeks from receiving that in order for it to be valid still. And so I was like, well, if I get a full-time job and then have to leave like two weeks later, that's going to make me look like really bad. So I was, what am I going to do to fill all of this time that I suddenly have? (laughs) I know I'll relaunch my blog and I'll take it seriously. So I, I did just that. I, got a proper website. I started taking social media seriously and posting like a couple times a week, just having fun with it, writing a bunch of blog posts. Like that's what my job kind of became, even though I wasn't making a dime from it at the time, I was just like (laughs) doing it. I was living at my parents' house, like just kind of waiting for things to get back to normal. Mm. And yeah, like long story short, like I started growing um, and from there, I found an agency when I got to London um, that I joined in hopes that they would help me with the digital creation side of things. But they, I found out later, are more of a modeling agency. So I then got to dip my toe into that sphere and I've done some acting work through it as well. And now it's just like kind of become this personal brand more so than even like a lifestyle blog because I don't really write a whole lot of blog posts anymore um it's more just genuinely like I get to make content and be myself for a living and that is the coolest thing in the world yeah that's so awesome and how has that experience been do you feel like it's a lot of support how do you deal with 
the haters, for lack of a better word? Like, how has that been? It has been quite the roller coaster. I have, it's funny because once you get your audience, you don't really have haters as much. Like every once in a while, there'll be like a mean message or something like that, where somebody will be like, I can't believe you said this thing. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, (laughs) But the only time that you really get like a lot of haters is through virality. And so when a video of mine will pop off and really just like hit the for you page in the best way, like that's when the influx of massive amounts of like hate comments will come in. And that has been interesting to deal with. I feel like I'm able to like ignore it pretty well. Um, It's not fun. It bothered me more a year ago when I first was still kind of like getting used to it all. I think now it doesn't bother me as much because I just genuinely like I can truly just like ignore it. Like if I'm getting honestly, as soon as the video starts doing well, I stop paying attention to it. I just don't look at the numbers. I don't look at anything anymore. Mm. Um, But the people that like actually follow you and actually like enjoy your content and look forward to it every single day, they're so lovely. And you just you make relationships with them, even though you've never met them in real life. Like you have these conversations in the comments or in the direct messages or whatever. And it just, it really becomes a great opportunity to bond and connect with people who have similar lived experiences or who want to learn about, like, I talk about my life as a disabled woman and I, people genuinely like show their interest in wanting to know more about what that experience is like. And that connects you in a whole different way. And it shows that people are interested in diversity and inclusion and like authentic representation of that. And I think that's amazing for what it means for the future of media and entertainment and pretty much every other industry that is affected by that, which is all of them. We like to do a quote when we, you know, put the episode on social media and associate you know oh this is like some wisdom shared everything you're saying I'm like oh that was a really good quote idea like write that down like I really want to thank you for sharing it's very cool that you're putting so much out there and sharing like your experience with people and as educating as well as having a lot of fun and just spreading the good vibes it's it's really cool to see especially as I said when I was deep deep diving on the gram (laughs) well thank you that means a lot I put a lot of, um, put a lot of effort into my page, especially like within the last like six months. So it means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, um, kind of the last thing to ask, this is something we like to ask at the end of every episode is what is a piece of advice that you would like to share with someone thinking about studying abroad, going to study abroad or living abroad full-time like you are? For anybody who might be thinking about studying abroad and might be on the fence as to whether or not they want to take that leap, they want to take that risk, because at the end of the day, it is a big decision and it will impact your life. But I really implore you to really, really strongly consider it because for me personally, my study abroad experience didn't just teach me like very specific things. It wasn't just about the education. It wasn't just about learning how to be an independent human being 
in terms of like cooking and cleaning and shopping and all of that for myself, navigating a city. But it was also about just experiencing this new place, this new group of people and just understanding the world a little bit better. And I think it's something as we move towards the future, uh, whatever that looks like, we could all use a little bit more compassion in our day-to-day lives. And I think Mm. studying abroad has taught me above all else how to be a really compassionate and confident human being. And I would 100% just want to, to push people that might be on, on the edge of like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Just, I know it's scary. I know it's risky, but think of all of the amazing things that you're going to do because mm-hmm. I promise you it's worth the risk. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for this episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Beyond Study Abroad. Check back in in two weeks for our next episode. And until then, be sure to stay updated on our social media accounts, especially on Instagram at ND International. If you want to stay up to date with what Jessica is doing, check out her blog at therollingexplorer.com, her Instagram at therollingexplorer, Twitter at rollingexplorer, and her YouTube channel, which is Jessica Ping Wild. <laughs>